Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Real quick. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures, or welcome back to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures. Already on the line is Nathan Basil from Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon himself. What's going on, Nathan? Hey, how you doing? I'm just happy to be here and really happy to talk to you. We were talking a little bit off air about, uh, you know, one of the charms of Behind the Mask, and I know this is kind of a polarizing people for most or movie for most people, and as everybody will hear before we actually spoke, this is one of those movies that um, the people who really love it, they love it because it's easy to watch again. It may not be like a balls-to-the-wall slasher, but it's one of those movies that has a lot of rewatchability. Talk a little bit about that, that you, that you guys were aiming for rewatchability. Um, yeah, well, it felt like the kind of movie that certainly could, uh, on a number of levels, uh, warrant other viewings and, uh, from an art direction level, um, there was a lot of little, uh, real live Easter eggs that were being planted all over the place or incorporated in the framing that was about giving people, um, who might've had more of a keen eye or something, Oh wait a minute! Is that is that could that be in the background there, right over there? You know? Oh no, that can't be. Oh no, that is that is. You know that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, the art direction was really all about um, satisfying people who were um, you know real horror and and particularly slasher fans um, by including things that would tie in <clears throat> all of the references that are being made to the different kind of films that that inspired the idea behind Behind the Mask. So how did you find out the m- movie was being made? I've actually watched some of your uh, rehearsals there on the Behind the Mask DVD where you're actually reading scripts and doing things like that. Um, but how did right. you actually find out about the movie, and then ha- how do you kind of you know get into that process there? Uh, uh, through um, agents, um, agents and managers, they – you know, at the time, they were just sending me out for everything, and um, this felt like it was, it felt different. I mean, the script just read different. It read like um, it made sense. Everything made sense. It felt like it was kind of a um, a really clean script, and you just don't really have an opportunity to come across um, stuff like that very often. Um and to come across it on a kind of um, in a in a in a kind of setting that I would have access to, you know, I wasn't an established actor really at the time, you know, so um, I you know really had to base all of <laughs> my cachet on a, a strong performance. I, I didn't really have anything else to offer at the time. So, um, you know, I just tried to do a good audition with material that felt like it was really excellent. Um, and I took a great amount of delight in doing that. And I think that that got communicated, you know, I think that that got across to, to, you know, the, um, the you know producer director you know um and the the casting director uh, i think they were just really inspired by um somebody who was having fun in the uh, you know situation that we were going to find them in um a lot of other actors you know they were doing you know big dramatic pulling the hair and twisting their mustache and all that and um and I just was taking it a different way, but, a, but, a, you know, just a, a fun direction. And uh, they really responded to it. I, I think they're not the only ones. I think one of the charms of the movie is the fact that, you know, 
you've got this charisma on screen, and it's interesting that Robert England is in the movie with you also because I mean, when when you look at you know the horror genre, the slasher genre, even the subgenre, the comparison you could make there is definitely Robert England because you know he he talks and he's able to suck you in, and I kind of felt like you were doing that as well in the movie, and you know. I know I'm showering high praise on you there, but I mean, if you think about it, your comparison would not be a Kane Hodder. It wouldn't be some of these physically imposing right. guys. You're stepping into right. that type of role, and of course, you get to work with Robert England in the movie. Right. Yeah. The odd thing was that I was, you know, I was playing that kind of character. You know, I I, I think it was the their their uh, choices in casting came down to me and and you know what what I was doing was untypical and then another guy who I believe is you know really kind of big physically imposing kind of thing um who was doing you know the the kind of more um I don't know main I don't know the the, the more predictable approach I, I don't know what but in any case uh yeah so you know the the character certainly uh, is in the mold of one of those, you know, really imposing figures like a Mike Myers or Jason Voorhees. Um, uh, but somehow we were able to pull it off given my, my, you know, smaller stature. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things too, where um, it, it was a strange thing uh, about your performance. You got to do, the scene, you know, leading all the way up until you were actually wearing the mask and everything. You were doing mm-hmm. the scenes like a Robert England where you're talking and you're the you're the killer that talks, although you're not technically killing yet. And then you're mm-hmm. doing the behind the behind the mask character where you're more like Jason and them, and you still managed to pull off the imposing thing. And I, I think it was also the cast around you. Can you kind of talk about the cast you worked with? Oh yeah, well, it was just a neat group of people, and I'd only met um, uh, Angela Gothels, who played Taylor. Um, I'd only met her at the, the auditions, um, but I feel like she was um, as much a reason why I got the role as anything I was doing, because she was just really super receptive and really um, she was just game, you know, and she just uh, had fun and took, you know, took, um, she she was just really, she listened really well and she responded really well and just made fun things happen. And, uh, and so I knew that, you know, our stuff, because so much of it was together, so much of what, uh, the movie is, is her interviewing me, you know, so it's, it's the two of us, you know, and I felt like, okay, well, if she's, if she's a tailor, then I feel like we've got this in the bag because because <laughs> Angela's doing everything. She, she she's kind of doing all the work for me. <laughs> uh, also, the uh, the the um, the cameraman and sound guy, um, you know, those guys, um, Ben Pace and and Britton Spellings. Those guys, um, I met them. They picked me up from the airport. Those two guys, and they'd already spent a good amount of time with each other before I got in there, uh, doing, doing, you know, location scouting and pre-production stuff. And, um, so they already had a total rapport by the time they picked me up, they were just, they were just goofing off and, and just clowning around. And I felt like, what the world did I get into? Um, these guys are the ambassadors for this production. This is, there's no way this can go well. Um, <laughs> but it, but it turned out that uh, that they were uh, very inclusive jokesters, and and very quickly I I uh, was I, I found my way into their their language, and uh, we just we had such a ball. Um, the cast, uh, along with Scott, you know, and David Stevie was was uh, the the screenwriter. He he was there too, and. Um, the crew, everybody was just really, really super cool, and um, we we ended up many a night of shooting in the in the jacuzzi at the hotel um, with you know uh, you know eighteen pack of beer or whatever, and just uh, you know just relaxing. Um, it was it was a, a lot of fun on the production, and it was 
uh, a lot of it was a lot of fun when we were shooting and when we weren't. I'll come back to behind the mask in a second. You talked about it was fun on the production, but mm-hmm. one of the things I was looking at is your 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 roles. On, I, you know, IMDb is pretty much the quickest place to find those type of things. Some of mm-hmm. the things you've done after behind the mask, and it says post production unit over and over and over again. Can you kind of mm-hmm. uh, shed some light on what it is that you would do in that type of role? Um, post-production coordinator is what I've been doing for about the past five years. And, uh, I work for a company called original productions and we, um, uh, do a bunch of, um, reality TV shows. We do deadliest catch. We do storage wars, ice road truckers, Axemen. We do, um, you know, a, a bunch of, uh, history, A and E discovery, Nat Geo shows. Um, and my, job, which is not something that I ever even knew was a job, let alone something that I would, you know, <laughs> ever do one day or, you know, enjoy doing. Um, it, it's, uh, if, you know, somebody's got to be there to kind of facilitate, grease the wheels as um, content is making its way through production, um, you know, into post-production and then from post-production off to the network um, for airing. Um, and then there's all kinds of uh, documentation, legal, you know, documentation that has to accompany um, masters that are delivered to the network. So, you know, my job is to be that facilitator and shepherd that stuff through um, those channels. Um, so that's that's basically what I do. And it's, it's, it's one of those jobs that you would just never imagine that anybody does a job like that. But not only is it a, a an actual job, it's a necessary job. Very good. Okay. Well, see, I think that actually explains some things to people that, you know, see different things and credits and things like that and had no idea what they were, so that's good. Sure. Um, but, but going back to Behind the Mask, one of the questions that um, I was wondering when – when you worked on the movie, it, it did look like everybody got along and the production was easy and things like that. But on an independent movie, you hear these horror stories because, you know, they're low budget. There's not a lot of money to go around. Were there any anything that was like, I don't know, any stories that you're going to keep with you, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you know, whether good or bad, that you're going to tell, um, you know, to your kids, um, grandkids, whatever the case may be when the day comes? Oh, yeah. Well, I, just in, in terms of uh, of – fly-by-night production, low-budget filmmaking. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of one of the things that stands out most immediately, I've, I've talked about this before, um, is that we, you know, were so tight to schedule, we, we really had no, not a whole lot of room to maneuver. So if it was raining on a day that we were supposed to shoot an exterior, well, it's just raining that day. <laughs> if it's a if it's, uh, you know, if we're supposed to be shooting such and such a scene and it's end of day and we don't have anywhere else to stick it in the shooting schedule, well, then we're just not shooting that scene. We're going to have to find a way to make it work without it. Um, You know, it was kind of uh, those on-the-fly decisions were being made um, throughout the, the, you know, the production, which which was exciting, um, but it also threw up, you know, little uh, obstacles that had to be, you know, maneuvered around um, as they came up. And and one of them, one of the biggest ones was uh, the uh, the post hole digger scene. We we just didn't have time to get the gag together, and it was supposed to be it was it was it was uh, intended to be a close up shot of this uh, this this chest cavity, and the post hole digger was going to enter. It was going to you know pull out this heart, it was going to be beating, it was going to be, there was going to be blood, you know, uh, you know, pulsating, uh, you know, from severed arteries and things like that. It was, it was a very complicated um, gag that was being constructed, but we, we just didn't have the time to complete the construction um, by when it had to be shot. It just wasn't time. So what are you going to do? Well, the, the way we, um, dealt with it is is like you deal with it you 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 know you get a a pig heart or a cow heart or whatever it is that they use you get a bunch of fake blood and uh, you stick it in a styrofoam container until (laughs) you're ready to shoot your your close-up in the meantime you're shooting a wide shot a super long 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 wide shot um of 
a post hole digger looking like it's entering a cavity, but it's shot from so far away. Um, you know, it's you're just burying a post hole digger on the unexposed side of the victim. You know, so their their body is covering it from the camera, and then you do a close up shot of of a you know cow heart uh, with a bunch of dripping blood and a post hole digger. You know, that's that's how you pull off the gag. But um, you know, funnily enough. Um, the lack of gore, I think, really um, helped the movie in some ways because uh, people who aren't um, horror fans or, or particularly slasher fans um, uh, might shy away from the film, but it, it, it served because of its lack of gore, which I, I know is disappointing for some hardcore slasher fans. You know, they, they just want to be um, that. They, they, they want to be inundated with it, you know, um, they want it in their face, but um, but I think it served to bring a lot of people into the genre that might not have otherwise um, been able to come in um, because they um, weren't having the gore, you know, thrown in their face, and they were also being presented with uh, kind of intellectual, philosophical approaches to the genre that might have appealed to them in a in a way that they might not have appreciated before. So you know, it felt like we were kind of um, you know, threading the needle in a way, um, uh, accidentally. Um, and, and also as an accident, I realized in the years following that, that, you know, the, the 80s slasher films that we were emulating, <laughs> they had zero budget and zero schedule, you know, time too. Um, every, all their gags are, you know, having to be, you know, cobbled together in a fly-by-night fashion. So, um, you know, having that kind of DIY uh, feel to ours, um, in a way, it uh, it more closely emulated those 80s slasher flicks than something that would have had a lot of gore like we're used to in, in our films today. So did you, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I'll ask anyway, did you grow up a fan of uh, horror, horror movies or is it something that, you know, you just kind of fell into? Oh, no, no. I, I was uh, terrified, terrified of horror. I still am. I, I'm, I'm a real scaredy cat when it comes to, uh, to most uh, films, um, horror films. Um, so I kind of stay away from them. I, I, I catch ones that it feels like I need to uh, just because they've, you know, there's a lot of talk about them or this or that, but, uh, but I don't generally <laughs> watch horror films because they scare me. <laughs> it's so funny across the board, whenever I ask somebody who was in a, in a key horror movie, uh, right. almost everyone says, no, wasn't a fan. I was like, wow, it's just <laughs> interesting that you guys can be in such uh, to us, important horror movies, and then you know, never even been a fan of it. But you know what? What it, different you know, strokes, I, different folks. Yeah, I did. I I, I watched uh, I watched the first three Nightmare on Elm Street movies when I was like I don't know, twelve or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed them. Um, uh, you know, Exorcist is is my favorite movie. Um, horror wise, I just it just it just. It, is a punch to the solar plexus for me every time. And, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there, like I said, there, there are ones that, that I'll catch here, there, you know, conjuring insidious, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I get, um, I don't know. I have a sister-in-law who really loves horror films and I, I, I have every now and then we'll go out and catch something together. And, and, uh, I end up just feeling really embarrassed because I'm screaming like, a like a high school girl or something like that. And, you know, people's heads are, will turn, you know, to me, um, like, am I, am I being serious? Is that for real? You know, is a guy really acting like that? But <laughs> I, it's really, I, it's so embarrassing, but, uh, yeah, it's, that's kind of the effect that they have on me. Um, you know, fortunately I didn't have to be as well versed in, in the, the, you know, slasher genre as, um, as, might have otherwise been needed because um, because Scott Glosserman and, and David Stevie um, in in their script writing had done so much to just handle that themselves. So I, I, I found that all, really all I needed to do was was um, you know kind of embody that in a believable way, um, and the, they'd kind of handled everything. You still there? 
Oh, Nathan, are you still there? Still there, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Hi. Okay, there you are. Sorry about that. Um, Not sure. Not sure what happened. Anyway, yeah, um, one of the things I was going to ask you, and again, not maybe drawing from your own experience, did they tell you, you know, any specific way or any kind of vision for what they had for the way they wanted you to take Leslie Vernon, or was this all your own um, direction on that? Um, you know, it was kind of all my own direction on on the the part because the part was broken down pretty pretty um, clearly delineated ways. You know, there was the documentary part of it, um, and that was all you know the the Leslie Vernon stuff, and and that was just kind of like a guy. I felt like that's that's. You know, if I'm just kind of being real, being a guy, being a guy who loves what he's doing, loves talking about what he's doing, um, loves, you know, getting other people turned on about what he's into, you know, um, I, I, that's, that's easy. I can do that part. The part that I um, really struggled with was the, um, the, the cinematic parts, you know, the more filmic uh, parts that, um, you know, where the, the mask is on, you know, well, what's, what's, what's my physicality? What's my thing? You know, how do we distinguish this guy from all the other slashers out there? And, um, you know, and I, I, I was doing all this kind of like character exploration and all this stuff. And it's so stupid when it came down to it, you know, I was, I, I just had this like physicality and I don't know. I just, I put a lot of thought and a lot of work into it. And I just thought it was, it was, pretty pretty good but I, I just wanted scott's approval on it you know scott glossman director and and uh he took a look at what was doing. he was just like no man no just don't do any of that just stop you don't need to do anything just stand there basically just stand there you know um and so i um fortunately uh i took his advice and i basically just got into a kind of state of mind you know the physicality um, you know, that'll, that'll take care of itself. The, the state of mind is what's important, you know, so that's, that's the part that I went, uh, you know, did, did, did my work in addressing. Yeah. Um, it says literally on the, uh, you know, when the credits are rolling at the start, it says introducing Nathan Basil. So, I mean, right off the bat, <laughs> people know your first, you know, starring role, first big film, whatever the case may be. And so automatically, do you feel any kind of pressure, you know, when you're doing this movie, you're in the starring role, it's a shoestring budget, so they're kind of relying on you for a, a lot of things. Right, right. Uh, you know what, I I, uh, I didn't feel pressure, <laughs> which is really weird to say, given that it was my first film. It was, it was my first, uh, yeah, it was my first film. It was my first really prolonged time uh, in front of a camera. Um, and it was my first time in a kind of, uh, kind of documentary realism type sense of acting. Um, it was my first time in a kind of more formal cinematic style of acting. <clears throat> Both of those styles were, were, you know, required and, um, and I felt for the most part, comfortable in both of those styles because the character was um, such an identifiable um, character for me because it was it was simply a mirroring of my own experience um, and what what I found the more time I spent with him on set I, I, with with the character on set was was that you know we were, were just in the in the in the very same uh, point of our careers, you know, we're just at this point where where we feel like everything is about to take off. And this is just, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, an acting career for him. It's, it's a slasher career. You know, he's just about to re reveal his, his, uh, his, his, you know, legend to the world. And, you know, and, and I'm seeing, you know, big marquee lights, you know, with my name on it, you know, I'm just feeling like everything is about to turn. This is where it's all, going to start happening <clears throat> and uh, the more I felt it for myself the more I felt it for him and the more I felt it for him the more I felt it for myself um, and uh, you know it just didn't take off like that and uh, I was really disappointed for a while but um, you know re rebounded and and um, you know invested more into 
you know, my career in other ways. And, and it's funny because I feel like, you know, we, we, we talk about um, the possibilities of sequel and, you know, those have been throughout the years, um, uh, you know, discussed. And we even did a fundraiser for um, a, a Kickstarter campaign to, to raise money for a sequel um, years back. But for one reason or another, it just has never happened. But the, but the, the thing is, it feels like the more time that goes by, the more, um, the better it is for a sequel because um, it just really feeds that. It really kind of uh, harnesses all of the um, potential that's there in in mining what is really, you know, my experience now, which is that, you know, here's a guy that, you know, still knows that he's got something that he, you know, really wants to offer the world, but just doesn't know how to do it in, in, in a media environment that's so, um, that's so high consumption. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, how do you break through the noise? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you reach an audience uh, that is accustomed to, um, you know, acquiring and discarding content um, so casually, so quickly? Um, you know, those are really interesting, really, really interesting questions. You know, you talked about uh, the stage you're in during Behind the Mask, and since we're getting there, it's a good transition. Talk a little bit about, you know, the roles and the experience, uh, aside from the post-production, that, that you, uh, you know, that you've had the experience to do after Behind the Mask. Because, and, you know, uh, a lot of people may see these things and they say, well, it's a bit part. But I, I know there's a lot more to it than that. I've had a lot of people on that have had these quote-unquote bit parts that are mm -hmm. a lot more involved than people think. Oh sure, yeah. Um, the the most of the other stuff that I did was um, was TV stuff. You know, all the one hour um, cop dramas, um, which uh, which ultimately, um, I, they they paid really well, but they they were just not uh, not um, fulfilling uh, for me because it it you know felt like they were kind of you know. Uh, paint by the numbers type productions, um, you know, it felt like it wasn't really about, uh, you know, any kind of artistic quality. It was about, you know, getting, getting content out there regularly of a certain quality. And I can appreciate that. It just wasn't really, um, what I wanted to be doing. So, um, I I did value my, the experience that I have there, and I really really value being able to have a couple of projects that I can you know show to my kids and say you know hey if you have any interest in knowing what what dad used to do when he was you know a quote unquote Hollywood actor you know here you go here's a body of work you know and 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 some of it's actually good but <laughs> but. Um, but I don't know what I'm doing now. I, I, I just really, I feel so much more, um, is so much more rewarding. I, I'm, I'm doing the acting teaching. I opened an acting studio, uh, last year and, um, and it's been so great to stay involved in the conversation that I enjoyed and turned me on in the first place. Um, you know, just the process of acting and, and, uh, the process of, you know, self-discovery and, and all of that. And, uh, and, but to do it in a way that doesn't feel like it has commercial interests, you know, it's, it's merely, um, it's merely for kind of, um, you know, a, a student's benefit, you know, to, to, to assist a student in finding their voice, you know, and, and, and uh, developing facility in, in expressing their voice. Well, I can get behind that. You know, that doesn't have any kind of, of you know, it doesn't have the kind of stench of, of commercialism on it. And, uh, and I can see the value that people are, are getting from it. Um, so I feel like I, I've been able to kind of thread the Hollywood needle in such a way that um, I can still 
do what I really enjoy doing, um, just do it in a way that feels like it's it's more of a contribution than than um, you know film or, or TV acting. You know, aside from acting, have you thought about directing, writing, anything like that? I have uh, um, certainly directing projects, uh, and and I've done and and, and still do here and there, um, but uh, not. Not, uh, but there it's theater stuff. It's not uh, film or TV stuff. I, I have thought about it, but I, it's it's not something that I would be so, um, you know, interested in that I'd be looking to, you know, kind of get representation and all all of that stuff. I don't know. It's it's a it, it's a it's a hustle that I just don't. I'm not. I don't have the constitution for it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you a little bit jaded by the process that goes on in Hollywood and, and things like that? Because it seems like, and again, I'm outside looking in, it seems like a lot of people just, you know, they, they get they get stumped by certain things and it just, you know, makes them kind of just say, screw it, I'm just going to do things my own way if you guys are going to be this way. I, I think we're at a really interesting time where, um, and yeah, I did get um, frustrated and stumped by that um, because it felt like I was, um, I've never been good, at, a, a, a good salesman. I've never been a good, like, um, you know, pitchman for myself. Um, and uh, I've never uh, really enjoyed that kind of part of, of the business. Um so it just felt like in a in a really important way, um, I just wasn't going to be able to um, deliver in a in a in a component that's kind of key to um, commercial success in in the business, um, which is fine. You know, I, I came to that realization and 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 was fortunate to to have other options. Um, but, um, I think now people are really, uh, not required anymore to follow the, the, the traditional rules of the road. And in fact, people are encouraged to, to break the rules, break the, break the structure, break the, you know, the mold that has been, um, kind of hewed to for, you know, decades and decades that, um, your way towards success is through getting representation and getting auditions and um, booking big gigs and getting a publicist and all that kind of junk. Um, in fact, you're you're kind of encouraged to uh, be a lot more um, uh, personally invested in your work in your uh, what you have to say, um, you're encouraged to invest a little more in, uh, you know, if, you know, what is your voice? What is it that you have to say? Um, and what are the resources that you have to, to, uh, to get that message out there? Um, and people are finding that even with the, the, the slightest resources, um, if your message is, is, um, appealing or at least appealingly packaged, um, uh, you can have uh, a lot of success in getting uh, your your ideas out there and even getting monetized through getting your ideas out there. Um, the, the monetization structure is much different than what the studio industry is familiar with or, or, or desires, but um, it's giving people who would traditionally have considered themselves outsiders, it's giving them a lot of insider status now, and that's, that's a really exciting change of the, of the rules of the road. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and by the way, you talked about what's appealing and what's not. Have you ever gotten comparisons to other actors in Hollywood or, or you know, just on the street, anybody say to you, you look so familiar, but I can't—I just can't place you. Because whenever I watched Behind the Mask the first time, I was like, I swear to God, he looks like Timothy Oliphant. Every time I've thought that. <laughs> so I'm just funny. wondering if you ever get that. I've never gotten Timothy Oliphant. No, I, I have. I was asked to um, sign an autograph for Ethan Hawke at a Gap in New York. Um, 
I, uh, I met Robert Sean Leonard once, uh, and he was really nice, but I, I was staring at his face thinking, you know what, if Robert Sean Leonard and Ethan Hawke had a baby, um, that would be me. Um, uh, oh, uh, uh, Sam Shepard uh, once um, uh, thought that I was Billy Crudup and invited me to sit down at his table and have a drink with him. Uh, and I did not advise him uh, that I wasn't, in fact, Billy Crudup. So I, I had a drink <laughs> with Shepard because uh, he thought that I was Billy Crudup. And, and he really enjoyed my performance, by the way, I have to say. Um, <laughs> Uh, which I didn't do, but I thought I'd take credit for um, because how often are you going to be invited to sit down at a table with Sam Shepard and enjoy a drink? Um, yeah, so there, there was that. Um, I, and uh, Ro- uh, Robert England himself, he, uh, when we were shooting the scene uh, by the van um, in Behind the Mask, um, uh, Robert England was standing around. You know, uh, he wasn't, uh, I think he'd just finished shooting uh, one of his scenes and uh, he was just kind of sticking around, you know, checking out, you know, what he got himself into. Um, and we were shooting that, uh, that scene at the van and, and he pulled me aside in between takes and, and uh, he was like, you know what? Yeah, you, uh, you remind me of a young Tony Perkins. Uh, has anybody ever told you that? And uh, I'm like, no, wow, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, what you're doing is good stuff. It's good stuff. I think, I think people are really gonna, I think people are really gonna like this. You know, he, he he's uh, he's such a, a, a cons- uh, an incisive um, critic, um, a really generous critic. He's not one that that picks everything apart, you know, with a really um, negatively critical eye. But he just really appreciates craft, you know. And um, and seeing him respond so enthusiastically to what I was doing, it was really, it, it felt for me like the ultimate stamp of approval. Hey, you talked about Robert a, a couple times in the, uh, the our talk here. Talk a little bit about Zelda. What was she like? Oh, man, she was a class act. I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if we were the last film that she did um, before she passed um, or one of the last, but... Uh, yeah, I got to work with her in one of her last films, and um, she was just—I mean, she was just—she was she was using a wheelchair, you know. Uh, um, in between takes, she'd be she'd be you know seated. Um, she was she was you know up and moving about um, while we were doing takes, but um, you know even seated, she was. Engaged. You know, it's the kind of thing where you know, and I felt this. I felt this with with. Um, Scott Wilson, I felt this with Robert England, I felt this with Zelda, I felt like these people have earned the right to just show up to this project that, you know, they don't know us from Adam, they, they, they don't know what we're doing here, they're, they're, they're you know, collecting a paycheck, um, and um, hopefully they're interested in, in you know, being team players and all that stuff, but they've earned the right to not be, you know, they've, they've basically earned the right to just show up, clock in, clock out. Um, there was nothing that required them to do any more than they did, to invest any more than than was absolutely necessary to execute whatever it was that we needed to do. But each one of them threw themselves in 100%. And that was just, that was so impressive to me. And, and what a great um, statement of professionalism, you know, that this is what it's like for, you know, this is what it can be like for a professional actor to, you know, make a comfortable living um, and to, to, to make it in a, in a very, you know, public way where your work is acknowledged and appreciated and you're compensated well for it. Um, but that you can still um, be a good person. You can still be excited about the process. You can still be um, a fan of the craft. You can still be, um, you know, turned on by meeting new people and um, strangers. And, you know, and that's, that's what she and, and Robert England, you know, did. They were such great sources of story and, you know, reference because, <laughs> Uh, their experience has been so extensive. Uh, 
Robert is a guy who does the horror convention circuit. And after this movie, did you get to do rounds at all? Have you been to different horror conventions yet at all? Yeah, yeah, I've been to a few. I've been fortunate to 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 uh, to have attended a few over the years, and um, and it was really my first time um, in doing so that I. Uh, found an appreciation for, or really understood what it was to be a fan of the genre because um, there were so many people in, in all of those instances that came up to me with such, you know, this kind of regard of like, Oh, you know, and I'm like, I'm just a dude, you know, I'm just a guy who's, you know, doing something completely different. 99.9% of the time. Um, and then I do a convention like this and people like have such, you know, regard and, 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 and they're so effusive with their, with their expression of, of appreciation. And, you know, it just really struck me how, how vocally appreciative the fans of the movie were. Um, and then just kind of opening the, the, the iris up a little bit, seeing how, how appreciative um, fans of the genre are in general. Um, I just met some of the sweetest, nicest, uh, creative people uh, over the last, you know, gosh, it's been about 10 years since the movie's been out, I think. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, they just could not be... uh, more down to earth or, or, you know, sweeter. Um, it's been really cool. Were, were you surprised at all by, you know, how, how, um, you know, open everybody was and how excited they were about the, you know, the movie that you had done and, you know, something that you probably felt like flew under the radar, but then you've got this core group of fans who just love it. Like me, I'm one of those people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it, it, there was a lot of hubbub out there on the internet. Um, you know, in fact, I, I think a lot of um, our um, lack of success in in really making a splash in in the market um, had to do with how successful we'd been on the festival circuit um, because a lot of attention had been raised on the festival circuit through the festival circuit. And, um, and I think there was in general a sense that there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of necessity to invest in, um, in, uh, you know, advertisements, you know, promoting the thing in, in the paper commercials or whatever. We did have a theatrical release, a nationwide theatrical release, but it just did not do anything. And um, and I think it's because we had we had found such a enthusiastic and loyal following on the internet that um, you know the powers that be just felt like that was going to take care of itself. Um, you know, so that was uh, something that had been established from really early on was the the kind of enthusiasm network that was out there. Um, you know, and I tend to think that if if they had gone the the producers casting, you know, if they'd gone another way and had gone with the other guy, you know, the big the big guy, you know, who's imposing and kind of menacing and all that stuff, um, it would have been a much more familiar kind of movie to people, and I think it probably would have made a, a lot more money. Um, I don't know if it would have had as much. Um, creative interest as it seems like people have have responded to but i feel like um investors at least would have you know made their money back and more so (laughs) you know by terms that most people uh value um you know it probably would have done a lot better um but as it is it it kind of lives on the internet it kind of lives in um you know people you know posting on facebook or something um you know, hey, I just saw this movie last night. Have you ever heard of this, you know, movie? You got to check it out, you know. Um, I love that the movie looks like that. 
And the movie's not that old. I mean, we're talking about nine, ten years almost. Uh, yeah. Ten years now? Yeah. But yeah. Do, do you still keep in contact with the other um, people who are involved with the movie at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I see Ben. Ben lives uh, in L.A. Um, I see him every now and then. Wait, wait. Not not nearly as often as I'd like to. But uh, And I believe Britain's coming back into town. Um, he uh, lives in Texas. Um, Scott. Scott, I... Um, I saw him not too long ago, and uh, that was great. Um, and David Stevie is actually he—he's a student at my uh, acting studio, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. You know, here's a guy who is a uh, you know a successful <clears throat> LA screenwriter, <clears throat> and uh, he is interested in exploring how the art of acting can. Uh, kind of, you know, better his, his, his technique as a writer, um, which is really, really admirable. And he's doing fantastic work too. It's really exciting uh, to see him. And and he's also bringing in material of his own that he's written to, to do scene work in. And, you know, so we're getting this, this guy who's basically like testing out his material on us, which is awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, and to actually get away from the movie again, but I'm more interested in something right here. Okay, so after the movie happens, and, you know, you're putting out feelers for different things and stuff like that, do you have any regrets about, you know, kind of the direction you took at the time, or or do you feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason and you're fine with, you know, where you ended up? So, obviously, the journey was important. Um, yeah, you know, that the, the latter answer is is probably the the answer um i i did at the time um i don't know i guess you'd always go back and do things differently if you could Mm -hmm. i i probably would have um been kinder in some of my relationships i probably would have um been a little more patient with my um career um but I I do like where I am and, you know, all of those things that happened and the choices that were made that have led me to hear, you know, that's the, the, the stereotypical answer is, you know, I'm happy where I'm at and I needed all that stuff to, to get where I'm at. So that's good. But, um, yeah, I, I think at the time um, that Behind the Mask was coming out, I was I was also doing a, a show on uh, on ABC and, and uh, that was going really well. And I just, I, I really felt like my career was in a really good spot. Um, and it, and I, it was, I was, I was getting a lot of access that I wasn't afforded um, uh, prior to that. But uh, I don't feel like I was being a particularly good person. Um, so I, I, I think I'd go back and redo some of that. Um, I think, I think conversely, the, the more success I had, um, the, the less I was liking the person that I was being in order to have the, the success. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd redo some of that. I think it's really tricky to, to really, um, maintain a thriving sense of humility and, um, uh, yeah, I guess just that humility um, when there's a lot of attention and money and, you know, this and that. It's just it's kind of hard to keep your head screwed on straight. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, last thing here, the commentary for Behind the Mask that you all recorded. It was <laughs> – I thought it was funny as hell. I thought you all sounded <laughs> like – some of the happiest people to be together, or at least talk together, that I've ever heard. So I thought it was really cool. How long after the movie was made did you guys actually record that? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably, um, I'm thinking probably about nine months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, nine months? Oh, maybe maybe a little bit longer. Um, yeah, because it was, it was out in theaters very, very shortly. I, I think it closed in most places by within a week. So it was already um, getting prepped for DVD and, and tape distribution. I, I don't know. Were they still doing VHS at the time? I don't know. Um, uh, 
yeah, so that was that was probably about nine nine to twelve months uh, after we shot the movie, and yeah, we were really happy to be back together <laughs> again. Yeah, I was gonna say it really shows, and I think it. I think it's one of those. Yes, everybody was kind of talking over each other, but it was one of those that it wasn't so much one of those. Well, I'm learning all these new things as much as it was. It was just really cool to hear that camaraderie. So right, I, yeah, I guess that's a good bias. way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, we and, and there was a lot of there was a lot of beer in the studio as well that was flowing, and and so I, I think people were talking over each other. Uh, uh, Anyway, but yeah, we we definitely really enjoy each other's company. Glad it showed up. So, for listeners that maybe aren't familiar with anything you're doing now or anything like that, can you throw out some plugs and things for people to be able to find you or maybe find your uh, acting studio? Oh yeah, sure. Well, that's my that's my baby. That's what I'm putting all of my all of my time and resources into lately is uh, is the studio. So, um, yeah, you can just go to the website, dv8studios.com, and um, and that'll show you where it's at. We have classes in Burbank, Eagle Rock. Um, yeah, we're, 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 we're changing the industry around one actor at a time. Um, but no, I'm, I'm having, having a lot of, lot of fun doing it, and the quality of the work is really exceptional. And um, So I'm just really excited about this new uh, chapter. And I can tell the enthusiasm. I mean, you know, like I'm not one of those people that say, oh, I'm Facebook friends with them, so I know them really well. But, you know, when people post things on Facebook, you're either wasting your time or you're posting something important. And the things mm-hmm. that you post, you can kind of tell that, you know, it's going well and that you get a, a complete positive vibe from it. So that's important, and I'm, I'm glad oh, to good. see that. Yeah, I mean, you can just tell, you know what I mean? Even if it's something that you're just scrolling through and you see it, it's good to see that on a daily basis or whenever it is that you do talk about it. So, Nathan, thank you again. I really appreciate it. If there's anything else you want to throw out there, feel free. If not, again, I just want to thank you for, number one, being an awesome character in a movie, but number two, being an awesome person and coming on today. Well, I, I appreciate your interest uh, in a, a subject that I hold very dear. All right, Nathan. Will you take care, bud, and uh, we'll talk sometime down the line. All right. Take it easy, man. Take care. And everybody, that was Nathan Basil, the man himself, Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask. Uh, He he was awesome. I have nothing bad to say about that movie or about him, obviously. He did a great job. And, uh, yeah, everybody, if you're in the SoCal area or or if you're in the area in general and you're looking to get into acting, well, there you go. There's an outlet for you, and um, he can definitely help with that. So, uh, great guy great movie which we you know when you hear this more than likely you'll hear us talking about it before that so that's it for me but everybody we'll talk to you guys soon later with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.